Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Oh, hey, that's me. That also means we get to talk and that we're live on PMN and Spreaker for another round of Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, as previously introduced, in the Race Chaser studios with Tom Baker as we are set to rock and roll for two hours. We'll be joined later in the show by Cisco Scaramuza and Steve Ovens. As well, Tom, as tomorrow we flip the calendar to the month of May, and to do that here in a little while, we're bringing in an old friend to start talking about, well, the month of May. That's right. I think we better clarify that he is not old by the calendar. He's just been our friend for a while. Correct. Yes. Former member of the Race Chaser staff went on now to um, have his own, well, I was going to say have his own TV station in Florida. That's not quite accurate. That's not quite right. He's a sports director (laughs) at a a TV station down in Florida, Sports Anchor. And Joel Sebastianelli will be back with us. Uh, to talk Indian Formula One and that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never heard Joel Sebastianelli, get ready because it's going to be a lively half an hour or so around these parts with Joel and the two of us going at it. Yeah, that's an understatement, isn't it? Uh, let's see. What 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 was the uh, all-famed comment, Snuggies for dogs? Yeah, uh, double-wide <laughs> restarts. For the IndyCar series is the worst idea since Snuggies for Dogs. That was Joel on my ESPN Charlotte show. In and now he loves them. Now he loves them. <laughs> I don't know if he likes Snuggies for Dogs any better. But <laughs> I anyway, I think we had a, I think we had a NASCAR race or two this weekend and a soon-to-be NASCAR race as well. A soon-to-be NASCAR race? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you mean that ARCA thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, NASCAR that NASCAR bought ARCA. Oh, boy. We'll talk about that a little later. But, yeah, we did have a couple of races. I was originally going to start with the race that I personally thought was the better of the two, but then I rethought my thought and decided, ah, uh, okay, I guess we can talk about Joey Logano getting back to victory lane for the first time in over a year. That was kind of a thing that happened on Sunday. See, I liked your other idea better, but okay, I'll roll with it. Uh, yeah, Joey getting the win. Good to see him back in victory lane. And I, I have to admit I'm a little biased on this one because I've known Todd Gordon for so long that, um, you know, I hate seeing him. I know how hard the man works and hate seeing him uh, on a schneid like they've been on for over a year. But good to see them back in victory lane. Not the most dramatic, typical Talladega style uh, no. ending that we we're used to, but um, if you are a Ford fan, you were happy. Six of the top seven were Fords. Chase Elliott, the only dissenter there in his Chevrolet um, for Hendrick Motorsports, getting another top five finish for a team that hasn't had many overall this year, but uh, certainly Chase looking good in that one, and we'll never know on a couple of the others because they were taken out or damaged in crashes or uh, or they caused them one or the <laughs> other. <laughs> Speaking of the big crash, William Byron or Jimmy Johnson? Who are you assigning blame to? Jimmy Johnson um, gets the blame on that one. Though, you know, this is one of those deals I tried to explain on a different uh, radio network on Friday. The effect 
that air has on these cars and, and explaining to a non-motorsports audience on a morning show that it's it, it may look easy to go in circles at Talladega, but when you're running in a pack, of course, the cars are constantly moving around by effect from the air. And so, you know, these drivers are having to hang on to cars that definitely don't want to stay where they're at. And so I could easily understand... <laughs> pardon me, how perhaps William Byron getting so close to Jimmy Johnson could have actually caused that back end to step out just a little bit and go into that lazy spin. So I say I assign it to Jimmy Johnson only because there was no contact, but I'm certainly not implying Jimmy did anything he shouldn't have done. It just, he, he lost the back end on the car. Um, There's not much you can do about that. That's just part of the racing on these on these plate tracks and it's kind of unfortunate because I really wanted Jacob to see for once what both Jimmy and William would have done with an entire race because both of them appeared to at least have something to Indeed. Uh, yeah, you know, something to contend with. So Exactly. William actually got out front for a couple of laps did, in that yeah. race. Jimmy was knocking on the door of the lead for about two-thirds of it. He ran in the top five almost the entire day, did a very solid job, and that's, I think, proof in the pudding that the Hendrick Motorsports Super Speedway program is still one of the best that there is as far as I'm concerned. There's not many teams who uh, do it much better other than, well, the Fords, but that's a manufacturer alliance. That's not necessarily one team. Now let's shift gears for a little bit, go to the more exciting form of the weekend. We'll come back to the Cup Series in our next segment, Tom, and we can talk about Joey Logano being playoff eligible at least until he passes R&D inspection and all of that fun stuff, but How about the kid from Las Vegas who wins on Saturday? Spencer Gallagher Dunn did it. Yeah, he did. It was kind of funny because I was at a short track on Saturday and happened to walk into their concession area where they had a couple of TVs and they were playing the the Xfinity race. And it was interesting because I got there just in time for two laps to go and you figure well if you get there for the last two laps I looked at the gentleman I was with and and just said point blank hey we made it just in time for the wreck and they never wrecked they never wrecked and Spencer Gallagher did an amazing job honestly and I love seeing Spencer win that's a driver I don't care what anybody says he's worked hard he really wants to do well and He's been in position a couple of other times before to do well and to win a race and just hasn't gotten it done. So this is the beauty of plate tracks is you never know who's going to end up in the right position at the right moment. And on Saturday, that was Spencer Gallagher. And once he got out front, um, he was able to hold everybody else off and get that win. And that was that was great to see. It's always good to see a new winner. And I think Spencer's got a great personality and GMS Racing's a a really, really dedicated organization that has done a lot for a lot of drivers and has had great success. So uh, very happy to see Spencer Gallagher get that first win. Oh, you know, you you mentioned that personality bit. We may have something that 
that illustrates that a little bit better. Should I hit the button? Sure. Should we illustrate that a little better? Hit the button. Let's hear from Spencer Gallagher. Spencer Oh, my hey, goodness. Great job. Amazing move right there. You led one lap in this race. It was the only one that mattered. Your move into one was textbook. Slowing them down and then clearing up a two. What was going through your mind, man? You made some great moves at the end of that race to put yourself in position and then block it for half a lap oh, when man. all those cars come behind you. The only thing going through my mind was I hope to hell this works. Um, gosh. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. GMS Racing brought such an incredible car here. I mean, to qualify this thing third in the race like we did all day, I knew we had the speed. But, man, it didn't seem real for a while there. Then That whole last lap, it was kind of a dream. You hear your spotter talking to you in the background, but all you're really doing is looking out your mirror and trying to turn up into your hide, buddy. Missed you. That was a good one. Um, but, man, it's, it's always wild, the last lap in Talladega, but we brought it home, baby. I think the coolest thing there, Tom, is... The pause in the middle of that interview from the fact that Spencer uh, stopped to acknowledge, I believe it's one of their uh, foundation kids with, I believe, Down syndrome, if I'm remembering that correctly. That was just a cool moment. And uh, I wish NASCAR had the audio uh, where that interview continued on Fox Sports, where he goes, we're going to party like it's 1999. It was funny hearing him say 1999 because, of course, the song is 1959. But Spencer wasn't alive (laughs) then. (laughs) He he wasn't alive back then. So I don't know. I don't remember what 1999 was like that would have made it so interesting to party. It was right before the millennium turn. Yes. Yeah. When all the computers were supposed to blow up. (laughs) Something like that. Let's welcome Steve to the program. Steve-O, we welcome you to this broadcast, and I'll ask for your opinion on Spencer Gallagher winning, because that was fun. Well, it is, and and here's how I look at it, guys. I, I loved the emotion from Victory Lane there. I mean, that is as raw and real as it gets. This is a team that, you know, they're not what you would consider a power team, Tom, and that's how I look at this. They have good resources. They obviously have good people. They've won championships at the truck level, but I look at this almost as a, this was a, this was a race win for, I'm not going to say the budget racer, but it it felt like a win for the little guys. And I liked that. Uh, Sorry, Jacob. I'll uh, let you in in a minute. I I, got to respond to that part of that statement there is no lack of budget no. at GMS Racing for Spencer Gallagher. It is. I think it's a little guy in terms of he hasn't won yet. And there, well, okay, let's be clear. There, they are a little team compared to the Cup operation. Well, yes. they don't have the Cup yes. budget. That's that's yes. true. But that's definitely my angle. They I, have. I enough. know that there's a lot of resources there. You know, on on the budget front, but from a perspective of this is not a Cup team. No that has all of that resource to, to put toward an Xfinity series. So I, I just think that that's good. And this is, again, this is why I love the dash for cash races and the fact that it's not cup light in these dash for Thank cash you. races. Exactly. I, We're going to step aside. When we come back, (laughs) highlight stories from both the Cup and Xfinity races and maybe a few black and checkered flags while we're at it. That could be fun. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, live on Spreaker and PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. 
Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably... Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. (laughs) Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Steve Ovens, and the newly award-minted Cisco Scaramuza, who's already laughing that I even brought that up. But uh, you know what? Hey, if he can be late, we can say congratulations on air for getting a nice shiny certificate to put on your wall, Cisco. So good for you. Way to go, Cisco. Yeah, it's the 2018 Teresa K. Weinberg Award for uh, Excellence in Journalism uh, from the Eugene S. Pulliam School of Journalism, a.k.a. Butler. So, uh, yeah, no, they completely surprised me. I had no idea. So, um, yeah, so I apologize for uh, being late, but uh, I guess it was for a good cause. Excellence in Journalism and you're stumbling over your words. Learn the English language, doggone it. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Cisco's all spun out. It's okay. Get he, back to he, the show. he got all his excellence. He got all his excellence out of the way before he came on tonight. Is what happened there. <laughs> oh, That's exactly what happened there. All right, we're going to go back to the Xfinity series for a minute because as awesome as it was to see Spencer Gallagher win, Cisco, I think we'll we'll just throw you right to the fire. It was equally as good to see Brandon Jones again contending for a win and coming away with a really good runner-up. It was not a victory, but I think we've all felt ever since Bristol when he and Ryan Priest went at it for the win, that victory for the 19 team is coming. Yeah, absolutely. We talked. I think we even talked about it last week that we were waiting for the the other shoe to drop for Jones to be able to step it up a little bit. And this was the perfect opportunity for him to do so. So an excellent job to that whole 19 team. Now, I'll add to that, Tom, that uh, the Joe Gibbs cars were not spectacular in that Xfinity race until the very end. I don't know if it was just a case of waiting for the right time or whatever happened. You know, you get the right moves, but Brandon was good, and that kid that got shot out of a cannon coming off turn four on the last lap, Cole Custer, who I thought for a minute maybe had a shot to win that race until Spencer executed a perfect block. Cole did a nice job, too. Well, Cole did a very good job, but I have to say that I think if you really look at the Gibbs cars, I, you know, honestly, I thought Daniel Hemrick was going to be the runaway winner for a little while, but of course, you rarely get that in Talladega. And what you got was fuel mileage. What? (laughs) Well, and that's okay, too, because that's part of what Talladega is, is fuel mileage. But when you look at the Gibbs cars, I mean, really, Brandon Jones, second, Noah Gregson, fourth. You know, it wasn't as if the cars were uncompetitive. I mean, Christopher Bell ended up 12th. Um, and and by the way, throw in a, a quick nod to both Ryan Sieg finishing sixth and Garrett Smithley finishing 10th for um, excellent runs and really making the most of the opportunity yeah. on the plate track. Well, Garrett and Vinnie Miller, his teammate at Johnny Davis Motorsports, both of them, Steve, had shots to win in the closing laps until their fuel tanks ran, ran dry. I mean, what this was until the caution came out for, ironically, Daniel Hemrick, was a gigantic fuel mileage run with Justin Allgaier and Austin Sindrick leading the way, and then there were the two Davis cars that... Had anything weird happened and those two ahead of them ran out, they could have been in the catbird seat. Guys, when was the last time we had a fuel mileage race at Talladega? I don't even know. I mean, that doesn't even go together. It doesn't even sound right. Actually, I think I would have to think it's probably been more prevalent than we realize at first glance because we've had enough overtime races at you probably had guys run out of fuel. Well, but no, no, we just no, didn't not, focus not on it. that kind of fuel mileage race. I'm talking about a long green flag well, right. fuel mileage okay, run right. to end yeah, the okay. race. It, it, now the, that you're being specific, yeah, no, a long green flag fuel mileage run where you have a okay. lot of guys in a pack who pitted and these couple of guys scattered around the track trying to make it to the end. We haven't had one of those style races at Talladega in years, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but. As much as I hated the scenario for Daniel Hemrick, I was kind of glad the caution came out at the end because a fuel mileage race at Talladega sucks. I'm just going to be that guy and say it, and I'll segue right into our black flags and checkered flags here. My black (laughs) flag goes for what 
almost ruined the Xfinity race. And the fact that we were set to have a fuel mileage run to the finish. That's not Talladega. I'm sorry. That's not Talladega. And stringing out single file in 17 laps to go to end the cup race on Sunday is not Talladega. So my co-black flags are the fuel mileage run on Saturday and the anticlimactic, lackluster, letting the air out of the balloon ending to Sunday's race, which just stunk. I'm sorry. Friday, the ARCA race. Saturday, the Xfinity race. Had great finishes. Sunday, let all the air out of the balloon. That just stunk. That's my two cents. On the flip side of that coin, my checkered flag goes to Garrett Smithley and Vinnie Miller. I know both of them are kind of Xfinity related, but that's just what I chose to do here. The two Johnny Davis cars put themselves into posi- in position to win. Garrett got another top 10. I hate that it didn't pan out for Vinnie, but they showed themselves well and had a tremendous run, so kudos to those two. The 0 and the zero one get my checkered flag for the entire weekend, period. Tom? Okay, well, you're black flagging scenarios. I am black um, flagging scenarios. I'm sorry. I, I'm black flagging the the driver who caused the first big wreck on Sunday, Eric Jones. Oof. Who went from the apron up into poor hapless Jamie McMurray, who for the second time in three days ends up crashed. This time, at least, he didn't roll it. But I was going to say, that crash on Friday in practice was a whole lot worse. Yeah, um, and then, of course, you know, a bunch of drivers between the two big wrecks got taken out, including Trevor Bain, which uh, I thought w- actually had a chance to run up front and contend for the win, which I still think would have been the ultimate uh scenario to have happen is Trevor Bain to win that race but not to be my checkered flag however as much as I agree with you on Smithley and Snake Tamer and raise you Ryan Sieg okay because he finished sixth my checkered flag has to go to the Saturday broadcast team I'm sorry but anytime you put a bunch of drivers in charge of a TV broadcast it is entertainment at its finest, and we got it again on Saturday. Yes, we did. And Cisco, I believe, before you give your two flags, there was one particular part of that broadcast that you were really, really excited about and that cracked me up. Well, I was I wanted to give my black flag to Clint Boyer, not for anything he did on Sunday, but, but what on he Saturday said. for saying that an 80, 83 Volvo with a Mustang engine would not be cool. Clint, come on. It's a wagon with like 500 horsepower. What is wrong with you? That is the essence of cool. Why Why am I the only one saying this? Well, you're not. Yeah, I think you're, you're just the only the one, one, one saying it, it loudly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't disagree more. Hey, Austin Zindrick thinks it's cool. Yeah, all right. I'll, we If we get Cindric on this show, he'll back me up. So let's make that happen. But I have to give my checkered flag to the guy in Sunday who didn't come home necessarily with the finish, but, man, he was fighting all day for it. Casey Kane, Levine Family Racing, they were up front all day. They got the, I think it was 15th at the end of the day, but he was up there, and he was looking like he was driving the five car at Summer Shades during the race on Sunday. So shout out to Casey. Absolutely. I agree with that. I was really hoping they were going to get a good run and it all went south at the end. Steve-O. Yeah, it went south at the end because it did look like he was running the five car Cisco. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, Whoa. I went there. 
Ouch. I like that. It's fine. I'm the black hat on this show, so I, uh, I got to stick to my role here. Um, black flag. That race yesterday was was pathetic. I mean, I'm I'm going to give them a a partial pass because I I wonder how much the change in the restrictor plate kind of dealt with how that race panned out yesterday. How much of a, of an effect did that have? And now that they made that change on the restrictor plate, and I don't know if they'll run that same one. Uh, when we go back in the fall, but if if the, if that's going to be the case, then we've got to make some tweaks arrow wise to to get these cars passing each other or even want you know want to take a chance at passing each other because that was terrible. Uh, the fans, if if they're coming down hard today on Talladega's race yesterday, well, guess what, NASCAR, you deserve it because that was pathetic. Nobody wanted to move out of line. It, it was. It, I'm with Chase Elliott. Like he said, nobody seemed to want to make a pass for the win uh, until it was too late. So that's my black flag. I agree with you, Steve. It was the lowest number of lead changes in a Talladega race since 98. A lot of the drivers, Brad Kozlowski being one of them, expected to have a lot of tore-up race cars yesterday. So I'm thinking all race long, these guys are just taking it easy because they know they can't win unless they're there at the end. So I'm thinking, okay, 10 laps to go, all hell's going to break loose. And it didn't happen. Well, it, ne- it never happened. Here's the problem. Ten- by 10 laps to go, we'd already been green for like 10 laps. I mean, it, it, we didn't have that last-minute caution flag that we're used to to send it into a, you know, a three- or a four-lap sprint to the finish. And a lot of the good cars were taken out in those two big wrecks that we had during the race. So I just honestly, I don't think you had enough cars with enough strength to really push up and, and do anything. You, you, the only way we would have had any drama would have been to have that last minute caution flag with, you know, one or two to go. Um, I think that's probably the biggest bit of it for me. I don't, I, I, the lead changes thing so doesn't the, necessarily bother me. So the me, strategy Steve. in the fall is be wait for the phantom caution at the end. No, well, I mean, I again, you don't know what's going to play out or how the big wrecks are going to be, Steve. But I know uh, you need to get a checkered flag in here, so I don't want to step on your time to do that before we break. All right, checkered flag goes to David Reagan for the best radio soundbite of the weekend. Hey. Go over and tell his spotter to hook up with me, and I'll put him in the top five. If that's not badass, I don't know what is. Checkered flag to David Reagan. Well, I'll add to that. Checkered flag to David Reagan for his fourth top ten in the last six plate races going back to the Daytona 500 last year. He's the only driver. Well, actually, no, he's not the only driver to have four in the last six, but he's one of a handful, and nobody has more than four in the last six. So David continues his run as a really, 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 really good little plate racer, and look out when we get back to Daytona in July. I imagine that front row car is going to have a shot to win this race. 
McDowell was fast too until he got yes. eliminated in one of the wrecks. So there the could have been two one. of those front row cars up there. Congratulations to that team on bringing two good cars to the racetrack. Yes, we're going to break. When we return, we shift gears to the month of May and bring in Joel Sebastianelli as we talk all things IndyCar and an open test. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. 
Because I could, this vintage segment brought to you by Bob Steele, because, well, we're bringing Joel back, and we just had to throw it back to, like, 2014 or something, Tom, because why not? <laughs> yeah, that was that was Steele instead of our usual. I was wondering usual, what uh, that was. That was yeah, before was my no time. Bob Steele reentry for our open wheel segment. Because, well, that's what we did when Joel was on, and Joel is back. Dude, what's up? It's the most wonderful time of the year, is it not? Back on track at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway today, a day before May. Couldn't ask for anything better. This is the best month in racing right here, and it's a true month of May again. Absolutely it is. Also, Joel, you can uh, keep your singing talents for American Idol. No offense. Man, I've been practicing for the last like year and a half since we've done this. It hasn't gotten any better. No. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, you know what? Let's just dive right in for a minute. And since we can talk about cars on track, Joel, let's talk about cars on track because, dadgummit, uh, it is the most wonderful time of the year. And for one Tony Kanaan, it had to feel like Christmas came at the end of April because doggone was that A.J. Foyt Honda hauling today. Absolutely. I think one of the big questions that we're going to have throughout this month is – Obviously, with the new car, how different is it going to be? And hearing from the drivers after these two sessions today doesn't sound like it's all that different. They're expecting the racing to be the same, and the speeds are pretty similar, too. Canon's top speed today was 226.181. So that's right around where it was last year. Maybe just a tick faster we can expect on pole day if the conditions are right but that's more thanks to the engine gains from chevrolet and honda more than anything else i don't think we can really glean too much from this test today but uh, all the penske's up over 100 laps you had simon pagino completing 108 a willpower actually got up to 113 new garden led everybody with 125 canon did did so a uh, top time in tow with less laps than everybody else only 62 laps but again this is just an initial test it's only guys who have run at the indianapolis motor speedway before i think that as the next couple weeks go on here we're going to be able to find out a whole lot more about what we can expect for the rest of the month well we will i think today though we also found out a look maybe into the future joel you mentioned the penske's all ran more than 100 laps you uh, neglected to mention some three-time 500 winner elio was back on track today but it was what happened with one of the penske cars at the very end today that had my eyes open because joseph newgarden tested the new indy car windscreen or aero screen i don't know exactly what terminology they're using for it but screen uh, screen okay whatever works <laughs> all in all though safety innovation indycar is trying to be out in front of this and all accounts from joseph the defending champ seemed really really pleased not at first you know i i said that there's not all that much we could glean from today but this after those two practice sessions were done i think is when we can really glean something about the future of racing here they had to change his visor so at first he had a mirrored visor and from what we're able to tell and what he said uh, in just this limited release we just received a few minutes ago uh, it was causing a glare so they took it off put a clear visor on and that was a lot better his word was fascinating. Obviously completely different for an open-wheel car, very different experience, but even with some of these minor inconveniences like that glare with the visor, 
with just a couple of small improvements, it seems as though they'll be able to put this on in the same time period they've been hoping for as soon as next year. Joseph Newgarden, at least publicly, seems to be very receptive to this idea. And the thing that's going to be most important to fans, quite frankly, uh, even if driver safety should be the number one concern, uh, we're a very conservative crowd. We don't like change in racing, right? We want things to stay the same. We love open cockpit. It always has been. You could barely even see that this clear windscreen was on there. So unlike the Halo in Formula One, for example, it is aesthetically pleasing. And if the drivers are pleased with it, then I think all the fans are going to be, too. We're not going to notice much of a difference. I know Cisco's pleased with it. At least it's not a flip-flop, right, Cisco? Yeah. It is. And, you know, looking, if you want to take a look at photos, there are photos from New Garden's test today, but... Yeah, to back up what Joel said, that's absolutely the case. It, The way, the best way I can describe it is if you've seen like a Lotus 79 or something like that or an old school F1 car, it reminds me a lot of that. Just with, instead of with it just being a flat kind of curve, it's a little bit bubbled kind of towards where the driver helmet is, obviously, for more safety. But yes, it looks miles in a way better than the Halo and... FIA, you you looking? You taking notes here? I mean, guys, this looks a whole lot better. I'm just saying. You're just saying. And you'd think it would be more effective, wouldn't? Yeah, it? exactly. Because you you it's a whole like front of you. It's not like two holes and then a beam in the middle. So I mean, at least from that aspect, it helps in that. And also, the one thing I am curious though is, are we going to get an opportunity? Because talking about the visors you're not going to be able to run a mirrored visor necessarily, or it's kind of harder to see with it. What does that do when we have twilight or kind of different kind of sun conditions when we're going to get reflections on the screen? Are we going to see that? Is that going to be an issue if for something like Phoenix, which traditionally kind of falls into the twilight sunset kind of time zone? Will that be an issue to some of the drivers? I'm wondering. Aha. Well, it's all things we're going to have to think about. Now, Joel, to go from windscreens to my favorite part of the entire month of May. Can can we get some hype? Because Bump Day is back. Woo! I know that historically Bump Day is a huge deal. And we're not going to have the uh, you know 50 cars coming out. But we could have as many as 36, you'd think. Right now we have 35 locked in. So that's something. Now, I think one of the good things with the way IndyCar is adjusted is that they've made the pole shootout become the center of the qualifying weekend. And I'm okay with that. I I think that uh, especially in a field now where we have more parity than ever, and you have at least 20 guys who, if I told you, hey, this guy's going to win the Indy 500 this year, You wouldn't be all that surprised. I think that having the attention at the front of the field is good, but undeniably, just the fact that we have more cars than 33 qualifying for those 33 spots is a really good sign. Chevy's been able to have a higher engine output if necessary. I think you could have, now that we have this this new car, I think you're going to see more enthusiasm for next year as well. And from what I understand, everybody who attempts to qualify is going to tap into that winner's circle bonus. So at least you are in some ways financially protected or financially um, benefiting in some way from showing up to the show, even if 
you don't make it, which unfortunately two, maybe three cars are going to have to do this year. As long as qualifying is the way it is now, you know, we're not going back to two weekends. There's not going to be deals being put together with various teams and drivers lingering around the paddock two hours before the final gun. But it is what it is, and I'm really excited about the show we're going to have both in qualifying and come race day. Yeah, me too. The biggest thing that I like about this year, Joel, is exactly what you pointed out, the depth of the field. And you've got so many American drivers in it as well, and some of them young drivers with a real shot at taking home the money. And, you know, I think this really is going to be an Indy 500 for the ages. And I say that because when you look at the standings right now, Five different organizations represented in the top five in points. And again, it's not just all the Penske cars and all the Ganassi cars. Andretti's been great. You've got Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan, who's been great. You know, there there are several teams that Carpenter's cars have been fast at times. You've got A.J. Foyt racing, I think, with Tony Kanan, who will have a shot at this. Not sure that Mateus Laced necessarily is a threat to win. Excuse me? He won the Freedom 100 last year, Yeah, thanks. but, I, well, maybe he will be. And if he is, great, because I got to tell you, it would be great to see an A.J. Foyt racing car win the Indy 500. But I think... You know, there's a third of those cars that you neglect to mention. Some Davison kid with Jonathan Bird's backing? Oh, that's right. I forgot he was... Uh, yeah, that... Well, because that went in so many different directions before it landed where it did that I kind of forgot that's where it went. I just think, you know, I think this is going to be one for the ages, Joel. I don't think you can pick a favorite going into this Indy 500, and I don't think you can pick a team that's a favorite going into this Indy 500, and I don't know when the last time we were really able to say that was. Yeah, I mean, in the last couple of years, and really on any race weekend, you think, okay, Andretti and Penske, Ganassi, most of what these guys were able to, to put out as far as setups and the data they were able to glean in previous years is now gone. So it's a big question mark. A team like Andretti Autosport, for example, when you hear from Michael Andretti, you know, he'll admit that a significant portion of their R&D budget is going just to preparing for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But there's big question marks now that there weren't before. So it's going to make these weeks of testing even more vital. Sure, you'd think that... Um, Team Penske would be a favorite, right? But we've seen if you don't get things quite right or the conditions don't go your way, even in the old car last year, they didn't qualify all that well. They qualified mid-pack, ran mid-pack for a lot of the race. So anything can happen, especially since we're in the first year of this car and there's just so many unknowns. And the field is top to bottom in ability level. And and I feel like I say this every year, as talented as it has ever been here. So as much as people talk about the glory days and the way things used to be, races are exponentially more competitive than they used to be, both in timing and scoring and just in terms of intangibles, right? Exactly, Joel. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we return, we continue previewing the month of May in Indianapolis and discussing the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network and on Spreaker, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Steve Ovens, and the return of our good friend, WJHG sports anchor Joel Sebastianelli, to the program. And there's also another use of the word return coming in this segment, Joel. I'm going to turn the month of May into a movie script here. Indianapolis 500, Revenge of the Bourdais. Do we see that script play out before the end of this month? Or at the very least, do we see it play out perhaps in qualifying where uh, a year ago Sebastian was on his way to the pole before the crash that, as we know, uh, changed pretty much everything? It's remarkable how consistent Dale Coyne racing with Vassar Sullivan has been this season. Winning St. Pete, again, putting the car on pole in Phoenix is great. He was in the mix to win at Barber, certainly was in the mix to win at Long Beach. Indy 500 is a different 
animal. And Bourdais has certainly been getting more acclimated on ovals. For a guy who's one of the best we've ever seen in an open wheel car, I certainly hate to make it sound as though I'm diminishing his talent and his ability in any way. But he's not somebody we've seen take to the 500 like we have some other guys. So I think that it's going to be very dependent on, again, how... How are they going to deal with the new car? I think Sebastian Bourdais, just as a driver, is as good as anybody. But at the Indy 500, he's been in the top 10 twice. I, I don't know. I'm just equivocating. I really didn't give you any sort of answer at no, all. He's you not did. somebody I would put on my list of favorites to win. But again, he is absolutely in that list of guys who, if you told me he won the race, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But you wouldn't <laughs> have put him on that list a year ago, Joel, when he came out of the box and for the entire month before the accident that nearly, you know could have taken his life just that quickly. I mean, before the accident, Sebastian Bourdais was the fastest thing on the property all month. Yeah, he really was. I think as soon as that car rolled off the transporter and onto the track, we knew that he had a legitimate shot to put it on pole and win. So if they can put a another effort like that in this season, which I have no doubt they can, uh, he may be somebody in those closing laps we see in the mix. Dale Coyne deserves all the credit for I mean just the fact that this team is around is crazy right save maybe for Roger Penske I don't know if there's anybody in the IndyCar paddock who's poured more of his own money into this race team and make the jokes all you want at the beginning of the season about TBA or some of the pay drivers perhaps or perceived pay drivers he's had but he has given Sebastian Bourdais a legitimate shot to win just about every single race Bourdais has competed in, and that team is competing for more than an Indy 500. They are competing for a championship this year, and to have Dale Coyne in the IndyCar paddock is so valuable. He really deserves all this credit for what he's managed to put together. Well, I agree 100%, but I think Bourdais should get a lot of the credit as well because I think it was Bourdais who really woke this team up and has taken it to another level. But I want to ask about another driver, Joel, who really has seemingly come out of nowhere this year. How about Robert Wickens out of Canada, the best friend of the mayor of Hinchville or Hinchtown or whatever you want to call it. He and best buddy James get together and all of a sudden, you've got a Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports team that's a force to be reckoned with. And honestly, I think Wickens may actually have outperformed Hinchcliffe uh, for a, a good bit of the season so By far. By the numbers, he has outperformed Hinchcliffe for the majority of the season. Joel, the problem is his plumbing bill went up last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, there was that you know, to, to be fair to Robert Wickens he's maybe not a true rookie he was impressive in DTM he has some open wheel experience he's tested in Formula One before he's running and won in GP3 and Formula Two so Certainly, Robert Wickens is a guy with a ton of talent who maybe surprised us with how quickly he acclimated to it. Sure. But I don't think anybody who's been familiar with Robert Wickens has been all that surprised that he's showing 
race-winning pace. What does kind of surprise me, and it would only work with Hinch, and it, it actually surprises me, even knowing the kind of guy that Hinch is, all drivers are so competitive. And while you do share some data back and forth, and it's maybe not quite as as intense, the teammate dynamic, as Formula One with designated one and two drivers, you really want to beat your teammate. And there aren't a lot of guys who are willing to go over everything with you. And I think the relationship that the two of them have is they really are working as a team, not just in name, but in practice. Yes. They're doing everything together. And that has massively aided Robert Wickens and the Schmidt Peterson Motorsports outfit as a whole. Absolutely, it has. It's just been refreshing to see them running well as a unit this year. And they'll, of course, add Jay, uh, Jay Howard as a third entry out of the SPM stable for the Indianapolis 500. And there will be a fourth kind of entry. Uh, they're going to be supporting the uh, Jack Harvey entry with Meyer Shank Racing out of uh, that 60 car for the Indianapolis 500. So three pure SPM cars and a fourth that has a technical alliance with that team. But of course, then when you're looking down the 35 car list, Joel, there is, I'll be that guy and I'll get hate mail for it later, the queen of Indianapolis, if you will. Does Danica Patrick have a legitimate shot to win this race? Absolutely. Running with Ed Carpenter Racing, they have poles here. They've come oh so close to winning this race before. Yeah, you know that any of those Ed Carpenter Racing cars are going to have a shot at winning this race. And Danica Patrick has been very good at Indianapolis. It's one of those tracks that suits her strengths. I don't know why there's been so much hate for Danica Patrick. It seems like the trendy thing to do, but it's more eyeballs on the series. And you know what? It's somebody who, while she was in the IndyCar series, showed that she had legitimate talent. I know her only win was basically in a few mileage race in Japan, which hard to believe that was 10 years ago, as of a couple weeks ago. But, um, No, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, she was always strong. She was one wiggle away in qualifying from potentially having a pole at the Indianapolis 500. She is a world-class driver, uh, hasn't really had great results, not somebody you'd expect to contend for a championship, but I'm kind of tired of all this Danica bashing just for the sake to do it. Uh, She's going to be in the field, and I would be very surprised if she doesn't qualify in the top half and doesn't hang around in the top 10 uh, throughout all of these practice sessions and also in the race itself. And and kind of to follow that up, we take a look back at the practice times today. I mean, I'd be a little more worried for her, but Piggott and Carpenter were 7th and ninth today on the speed charts. I mean, yes, it's the first day of practice, but if they rolled out and they were 18th and 21st or something, I'd be a little bit more worried, but... The biggest thing for her is just going to be the switch over, you know, welcome back to open wheel. You know, she had to spend all that time learning all the, you know, subtleties of the stock car and everything like that. And all of a sudden you throw that right back out the window again. So it'll be it'll definitely be a tall task, but kind of 
Tom, I agree with you in the fact that I think she has a very similar shot to what Spencer Piggott does as the other driver uh, along with Ed Carpenter to make up the three cars running for ECR. Okay, let's be clear here, too. Uh, Tom just cringed, I think, because Joel called Danica a world-class driver. And I think Tom uh, told me a year ago that Fernando Alonso is a world-class driver. There are other drivers that are not world-class yeah, drivers. Fernando Alonso, levels of that. The, Fernando Alonso is a world-class driver, okay? Juan Pablo Montoya is a world-class driver. Except in a stock car. That, that, well, that's because he just didn't. He refused to drive the stock car the way the stock car wanted to be driven. It wasn't he couldn't. He just didn't want to lift. And I um, think that was Danica's to problem, too. Danica, I think she was driving. No, da- Danica is not a world-class driver. Danica was not even one of the 15 best drivers in NASCAR. You All you have to do is look at the 10 car this year versus the 10 car the first three years of its existence. It was it, it it struggled to get above 15th place. I mean, I'm sorry, but Danica has a shot to win this race in the same way Piggott does. And I say that not to insult either of them, but both of them have great equipment that's capable of winning. Neither of them will win the race. You would have said Kurt Busch had a great shot to win Indy a few years back, too. In the end, he finished sixth. I can see Danica finishing sixth. She's not going to win the race. It's that simple. It's not going to happen. I think you're getting bogged down in the semantics discussion, though, over world class. Define that however you want. Let me just say this. Indianapolis 500, we would agree, is one of the most difficult races in the world to win and compete in at a, at a high level. Indianapolis Motor Speedway is one of the most difficult tracks in the world. In all but one of her Indy 500 starts, she has finished inside the top 10. Has she not? Two top fives. You don't get there by being some scrub. With the right equipment, she is competitive at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. What she's done in NASCAR doesn't matter at all. That's not world class. World class is going to Indy, going to F1, going to sports cars, being able to go to NASCAR perhaps. That is not, you cannot, she's a good driver at Indianapolis. That's what she is. At the end if of the day, that's it. you qualify at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the top 10 and you can run it there, as far as I'm concerned, in an open wheel car, you're good enough that you shouldn't have to defend your credentials against anybody. Well, sorry, but uh, we're going to disagree on that. And, and I guarantee you, if you polled our audience, 99% would agree with me. Danica Patrick is not a world-class <laughs> racer, period. <laughs> period all right shush i'm calling time on this and pushing both of your mute buttons because we got to do some business with america when we come back we'll shift gears to the other side of the open wheel spectrum because wait f1 is good this is a thing you're listening to motorsports madness and we're back after this on the performance motorsports network and on spreaker when do you think of a plumber Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. 
Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the madness. It did get quite mad in our last segment. We are now welcoming you into hour number two. If you're just joining us, this has gotten lively in a hurry. I'm Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker in the Race Chaser Studios. We are joined on this program remotely by Steve Ovens, Cisco Scaramuza, and for a little more open wheel conversation, our good friend WJHG TV sports anchor Joel Sebastianelli. And before we dig too deep into F1 is good, Cisco, you have one more point to make, I believe, regarding the IndyCar No, I have one point to make with the F1 race, and that, once again, Lance Stroll finished ahead of Sergey. All right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You're going to keep riding that until it breaks, aren't you? Exactly. (laughs) He may be riding in a while. Lance is slowly getting better. I would say Slowly. so. He contended decently in yes. that race for, for not suckish. That's not the point I'm making, Tom. The point I made is Sergey finished dead last. Oh, okay. Yep. On that note, hey, Joel, when's the last time that we got on this program and said F1 is freaking awesome? Oh, wait, I can answer that. I don't think we've ever said that on this program. Joel Holy has. crap. 
<laughs> yeah, to be fair, I Joel has. <laughs> I, I, I try to talk up the things I love, but the hype is for real. Uh, these last two races in China and Azerbaijan, I would consider to be two of the five best, at least in the last five years. You could probably even go back to the last decade, and these two are in the discussion for some of the best we've ever seen. They've been that good. What more could you ask for in a race. You have drama on the opening lap. You have teammate on teammate racing. You have pitch strategy coming into play. Uh, unpredictable struggles and heartbreak for the leader. Uh, crashes under safety car. <laughs> I mean, just everything you could possibly expect in a race, save for rain. We had an Azerbaijan, and in place of rain, 30 mile per hour whipping wind gusts between the buildings this has turned into be this has turned into one of the gems i think on the formula one calendar and here's one thing i don't think that we had ever said on this program before uh, in the year or so leading up to the race in baku and after that first abysmal race back when it was called the european grand prix who would have thought that this track actually had redeeming qualities and would be conducive to good racing because it is. It has been the last few years, and I think it will continue to be. I hope this track sticks around for a long time, and I hope it's supported by people in that region of the world. I agree, and here's something that's going to blow your mind, Joel, because see, you haven't been on here in a while, so you know, you and I used to go round and round about whether F1 was real racing or not. Well, here's the deal. Somehow, completely by accident, because I know they could never have done it on purpose, <laughs> we have created a scenario where even I love Formula One this year. I mean, there are three legitimate teams, not teams like one driver in a car teams or two Mercedes and a Ferrari team. There are three legitimate organizations that all have cars capable of contending for wins on almost every course that we run. And we've seen so much action. I mean, unfortunately, the Red Bull cars have gotten into this nasty little habit of running into each other. But um, if they could stay away from each other, Red Bull has picked up their game. Ferrari, of course, and Mercedes. And this has been really cool to watch because... We saw a brilliant drive by Daniel Ricciardo for a win. We've seen, of course, Vettel get his. We saw Hamilton the other day get his. But, you know, this, is, this really, to me, is what F1 racing should be. And you've got a couple of other teams that really aren't that far away with just a little bit more. We could have four or five organizations that all are capable of podium on any given Sunday, and it's been some great racing to start the season, I think. Oh, definitely. And when you look at the Constructors' Championship right now, some of that's topsy-turvy, too. Haas, Good. after Australia, and I mean, not even after Australia, during Australia, until they had troubles in the pits, really, uh, was considered to be the best of the rest as a Ferrari B-team yes. But aside from a fifth-place finish for Kevin Magnuson, uh, Lance Stroll's eighth-place finish for Williams is better than any finish they've had all season between Grosjean and Magnuson. They yeah. only have 11 points, one ahead of Sauber, 
who with Charles Leclerc managed to pull off a sixth place finish in Azerbaijan. So you would think Haas has more left in the tank. McLaren is hoping that in time for the Spanish Grand Prix in a couple of weeks, they will have added some key upgrades to the McLaren, who is actually running in fourth right now. Red Bull has shown that they can win races. So yeah, I think top to bottom, you have as good a parity as you could conceive in Formula One, given what the regulations actually are. Now my black flag, Joel, and I want to get your thoughts on this as an F1 fanatic. My black flag for F1 this year is the e- the ESPN coverage. Now, the camera work doesn't suck. I mean, the the coverage itself, watching the race, doesn't suck. But, I mean, Mark Brundle is screaming the entire... It's like somebody give that boy, like... I mean, he needs a serious shot of something. I don't know what, but I think the announcing team is just deplorable. I, I really wish they, they'd bring the Three Musketeers back because, boy, oh, boy, they made that broadcast so much more fun, even when the the racing wasn't good. And these two guys are just unbearably pathetic. That's interesting. I've heard a lot of that, and I... I disagree. I think what you see with Sky is that they're much more immersed than the NBC team was. So while the NBC guys were our guys, they were sitting in a studio in Charlotte, aside from Will Buxton, who, by the way, I think is the one member of that broadcast team who is irreplaceable. His grid walks with NBC Sports Network were better than anything we've seen from Martin Brundle or the rotating cast of characters on the ground for Sky. But having it go commercial-free... Thanks great. mothers. It's great. Is great. Uh, it's just more immersive and it's a little bit more technical than I think the NBCSN stuff was. But I liked both of them for what they were. And certainly I miss the American guys, too. I just can't and stand I think, Brundle. And I think one thing to note also is this is a different, you know, the the production, as Joel's mentioned, this is Sky. This is an ESPN. So we're this is a different almost demographical broadcast as well because this is not – an American broadcast done for an American audience. This is an English broadcast done for probably the most of the UK, plus a little bit of France, et cetera, and then with us just kind of tagged in on the end as well. So, I mean, this is a product that we're not necessarily used to, but, of course, for our palates, is going to be a little bit different, isn't it, Tom? Well, it is, and the problem I have with it is that I really think that Liberty thinks that their over-the-top deal is going to be the bee's knees, but it's not because if you want to expand the F1 audience in America, you're not going to do that by having it somewhere on the Internet. You, you're go- the, you've got to have a broadcast that informs and educates and makes it sound exciting. Those three guys did. Brundle doesn't. He's just annoyingly bad. Like I said, the the race, to watch the race, the camera works great. I actually, I think they've spent more time focusing on stuff in the uh, the pits than what even NBC Sports did at times. But this is not going to expand the American audience for F1 at all by showing a feed from, from you know, some other place that's concerned with with an audience that's already into the sport i just don't think they're doing anything good 
on that front, and, and their over-the-top deal is not going to help that. Okay, let's be clear, by the way, Cisco, before you answer, that uh, the camera work is no different than what NBC had to work with last year. Even NBC was required to use the world feed. It's all the same camera work, Cisco. So everybody's getting the same camera work, and it's just a matter of the announce team after that. And I'm not sure I agree with you, Tom, because I honestly, OTT is the future. That's the way broadcast. Yeah, but you're not going to. Yeah, but how do you how do you get a new fan to find you on the Internet who's not who doesn't know you exist? How how do you make them? And then if you're going to ask them to pay for it. okay, and and I'm not sure that's what they're going to do, but I'm pretty sure that's what they're intending to do. If you're going to find new fans, you find new fans by people scrolling their their channels, the guide, and going, oh, there's an F1. Let me check that out. I disagree with that. I don't that think because you're going to do think, it by OTT. No, but, I disagree completely because I think the, that most people nowadays are migrating to their devices. They're not watching But it's on hidden. Television. It's not in front of you. I don't, I, let's but, Joel, let Joel get in there because he wanted to respond. So I think you raised an interesting point for all of sports is, yeah, we're going away from cable, but uh, I think the sports bubble may be about to burst. You're going to have to figure out how to package everything together because, and just to use this as an example, right? The Marlins under Jeffrey Loria were abysmal, but he sold it for $1.2 billion. There's so much money to be made that if you can actually afford a sports team, a sports, sports franchise, sports media, whatever, and sell it, It's been one of the most foolproof investments of the last couple of decades here. But if you're going to go to OTT, I don't see how you're going to gain casual fans for any sport at all. So I I don't know. I I think you tapped into a very interesting point that everybody is going to struggle to figure out in all sports, which is how do we tap into that casual audience? I think the broadcast team has far less to do with it than... You know, buffet style or alicard. See, I disagree, Cisco, with that point that Joel just made. I think the broadcast team has everything to do with it because how you present it, how you make it sound, how entertaining and informative you are makes a huge difference. I don't think those two announcers do it, Cisco. But ultimately, this comes down to, Tom, your biggest argument is visibility. And for me, we've seen, you know, arguments over and over. Oh, why is it NASCAR on my local station anymore? Why is it not on broadcast? That's the issue, because we're not sure broadcast is going to be able to hold up any much longer. You know, even talking to the marketing director, who is one of my professors here for one of the local stations, he's, you know, it's it's something we... All the all the local TV co- stations are looking into now. You know they're streaming their newscasts online. But my, so yes, my argument to be clear before we go to break is not that we're on broadcast. I think the fact that we're on ESPN is a good thing. I'm saying I think it's important who's describing it. And if you go off of that onto OTT, new people are not going to find you. You're going to have to work twice as hard to get to them. But as Joe points out, 7 a.m. visibility is nigh impossible. Anyway. I watch the rebroadcast OTT, at night at 9 p.m. Thank you. And, and that, that's you just I'm telling you, if you go away from that and you don't put the right people, you got a good slot that rebroadcasts a good slot. If you don't if you don't have a good team of announcers, though, you're not communicating the message. All right. Yeah, no, s- I agree with that, Jacob. And because you're going to throw something at us. Yeah, I am, because you're making us late for our next break. (laughs) 
We're going to step aside. When we come back, uh, we continue our motorsports conversation, but we want to thank Joel. And uh, I believe I can get excited because we get to come back and do it all again next week. Can I get excited for that? I think so. And maybe we can talk about this great F1 race. Tom, I have a theory that you're not really an F1 fan because instead of talking about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, you sabotage that segment to talk about the broadcast team. So IndyCar, Formula One, whatever you guys well, want I to want, talk about, I forgot I'm we had you I'm next excited. week. I thought we had to get it all in tonight. No, we didn't. A so. seven-day break from Tom is exactly what I need. Thank you, guys. All right. We're coming back with more after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on Spreaker and PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hey, this is Garrett Smithley, driver of the number nothing Chevrolet for JD Motorsports, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Hey, we were giving him props earlier in this show, Garrett Smithley and the number nothing, bringing us back from commercial break. You are listening to Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens as we talk racing for a little bit longer and right now going to talk about some straight liners, Tom, because, hey, they were in our backyard over the weekend. That was fun, and uh, you know what? We had a couple of awesome winners, too. Well, we did. It was it was really good to see Eric Enders get a win. It was good to see uh, Cruz Pedregon, though I'm always, uh, I, I will admit to being slightly biased toward, no, heck, who am I kidding? I'm totally biased toward Jump Force, but no, it's great to see uh, Cruz get a win. Steve, you wanted to jump in here for a minute. I'm going to let you chime in. Well, Cisco was just asking if you knew, you know, uh, fits in the what is it? Fits in the tantrums. Yes, or, yes, our I, reopening I, song. Well, I was just thinking, you know, if we talked about Danica again, it could be Tom in the tantrums. <laughs> <laughs> only if you mentioned, yeah, only if you mentioned Danica, the world class driver, in the same sentence. But back to NHRA. Uh, back to Jacob's point. Yeah, it, you know, in look, Steve Torrance winning is always fun too. And the reaction of some of the winners yesterday, I thought, was even more extraordinarily accented and emotional than what it usually is. For those who don't follow the NHRA very closely, why not? I mean, there are some real class personalities in this on this circuit. And, you know, just these guys are just nuts. I mean, yes, they the are speed none more the... so nuts than John Ford. Well, he, yeah, he invented the category. But I mean, seriously, this is really the four wide nationals. There's only two uh, events like it in the world. One now in Vegas and one here in Charlotte and or Concord, I should say. But yeah, some great winners and really some cool stories. It was neat hearing from one force in the booth when the other two forces were running in the semifinals and the finals. Um, you know, it's it's just those kinds of things make it infinitely interesting to be a part of that. I mean, it has even over and above the speed and sheer just velocity of those cars, volatility of those cars. Um, it's just fun to to meet the personalities and be around the personalities that are involved in it. Now, see, I was at the racetrack, so I missed that part. They brought Brittany up to the booth. Yeah, when Courtney and John were in the finals. Yep. She, That's awesome. in the semifinal. She was up there as soon as she was out. She Which came was up, shocking. Yeah, she came up to the booth and uh, was so she was there all the way through the semifinals and the and the finals. Um, so it was cool just listening to her talk about her dad and. Um, and and her sister and talk about how happy she was to see them running for, you know, obviously the uh, the Wally. Um, neither of them got it, of course, but, you know, certainly present John is a uh, John came awfully close. Yes, he did. Now, Cisco, I saw this posed by CMS yesterday uh, as I was leaving ZMAX Dragway. And I love this. It, it's totally true. As far as the four wide nationals, Sunday was really the day of the independence or independence day, if you will. Steve Torrance is an independent family owned team. 
You've got, in Funny Car, Cruz Pedregon, independent team. He drives for himself and has yep. the support of Snap-on Tools. And even in Pro Stock Motorcycle, Jerry Savoie, elder statesman of the Pro Stock Motorcycle field and drives for his own team. The only driver who was driving for a established multi-car team, so to speak, uh, granted Jerry Fields two bikes, but uh, Erica Enders, Richard Freeman, Elite Motorsports, they were the only power team, so to speak, in any of the four classes that won on Sunday. And I love that about the NHRA. Absolutely. And a great story about Cruz Pedregon, if you're at all a fan of the show Roadkill over on Motor Trends Velocity Network. Um, Cruz actually brought those guys into their shop. They blew their lines. They uh, they were rebuilding a Camaro at PRI a couple of years ago, and their fuel lines all broke. And Cruz said, oh, it's coming to my shop. Use the uh, Earl's fittings. So there they were in the NHR shop with where the trailers usually were, just making Earl's fittings for their Camaro that they were going to drive back to L.A. That's fantastic. Cruz, by the way, has driven at the Chili Bowl for Josh Wise in yes. the past. And, uh, yep. I was talking to him. He's having thoughts of perhaps uh, for one of the uh, right-hand guys on his crew fielding a midget in the coming years at Chili Bowl, possibly with Toyota help. So uh, I'm going to try and follow up on that later this week. But Cruz and I were discussing it a little bit in the media center, and that's just a cool deal. You know, Cruz is not just a drag racer. He's a racer's racer. He loves just about everything. And to see the emotion, Cisco, that he had, let's keep in mind, it was 92 races. He had not won since 2014 at English Town. And to see him back in the winner's circle, that to me was the moment of the weekend. Yeah, it that was that uh, that I I don't know who to put further, Spencer winning or Cruz winning cuz both of those were so emotional. I Can we can we just give him a tie for first place? Well, really? don't don't leave out Savoie's reaction. Oh yeah, he was Savoie about in well, tears, absolutely. and Torrance was just going out of his mind. Steve Torrance doesn't know what the secret is to winning four wide races, but he's won three yeah, in a row. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. I'll say. They, there may not be a secret, but if there is, he's invented it. I mean, that may yeah, be why Steve, he doesn't know Steve's it. comment on Sunday after the race was, "If I knew what the secret was to winning these things, I'd write it down." Yeah. Well. Keep Maybe. doing what you're doing, man. Yeah, I, I don't think I would write it down. Somehow it'd end up the competition's hands. Exactly. So, uh, but you mentioned Jerry Savoie, Tom. At 59, he's. One of the elder statesmen, if not the elder statesman of the Pro Stock Motorcycle field. He fields a bike for himself. He had Ellie Tonglet, who was his teammate all of last year, come back to the team this year, starting with the four wides. Jerry is an alligator farmer. Yes, you heard me right. Yep. He's an alligator farmer from Louisiana, from the Gulf South. I mean... This is, racing is his passion, not necessarily his life, but he's made it his life the last couple of years. And for me, I love this story. And Jerry, I- I've talked to him in the pits before at Charlotte. One of the nicest people I have ever met in any form of racing ever, yeah, period. He He's just one of these old gentlemen who you would want to sit down and spend a couple of hours with you know i mean he just he's got that kind of a personality and he was so overcome with emotion after this win it was great to see that i mean there's so much authenticity in the nhra you don't see 
put on personality. I mean, oh heck no, you know they're all authentic, and so it really makes it interesting to spend a weekend or even just a day with that group because you never know what you're going to get because depending on who you talk to or who wins and or what happens, I mean, you know, you've you're going to laugh, you're going to have a great time. And boy, are you going to be blown away with the horsepower? I mean, it just and and Savoie is an example of a guy. Here he is, fifty nine years old, still racing a motorcycle. I mean, he's not even in a car with you know a cage around him and a body. He's on a bike at fifty nine, but he's an alligator farmer, so you can sort of see where that would come from. He's a he's what you would call a tough old bird. Absolutely. Now, Cisco, I want to go to you for the final point, because as much as we talk about the winners uh, and Steve Torrance picking up his third win of the year in six races to pad his points lead, there were a lot of heavy hitters in this race that went out early, especially in top fuel, where you had... All three Don Schumacher dragsters. You had number one qualifier, Brittany Force. They were all gone in round one. In pro stock, you had both summit cars, Greg Anderson and Jason Line, out in round one. In pro stock motorcycle, you had Eddie Craywick, who coming into this race had finished second five times in a row at the Z-Max four wides. He was out in round one. This was as unpredictable as it gets. Yeah, it was. And the other thing that was interesting about four wides, both last race and I think this race as well, there were a lot of fouls. Like yes. more than I was expecting. That's because the Christmas tree is different. And these drivers have said in the past that that difference in the Christmas tree does potentially throw you for a loop, Tom. And also having more than one car yes. next to you staging throws them off as well. Yes. Yeah. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to talk a little dirt with Dr. Dirt. Steve Ovens has been a little patient over there for the last portion of this show. He'll be back. We'll talk four winners in four sprint car races and maybe $100,000. Yeah, all that coming up next on Motorsports Madness on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. 
HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to their Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Oh, look, we're dippling to start the dirt segment, because why not? Actually, no, we do have a reason for that, because we dippled in victory lane. Tyler Dipple won the NASCAR K&M Pro Series East Race on Saturday night at Langley Speedway. So there's where we get our props in for young master Dipple, and we will hear from him later this week on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network on the Stock Car Show, yes, Tom. Yes, he and the ARCA Series closest finish in history, winner Zane Smith will both be in studio on Thursday for the Stock Car Show. And uh, that's just the beginning of what we got to talk to you about Absolutely. on the Stock Car Show Thursday. We're going to talk about zucchinis, too. And if you want to know what does that have to do with racing, you'll find out on Thursday. Yes. Now we're going to talk dirt, which is where Tyler Dipple started. That's how that connects. And bring in Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, and... I'm going to go ahead and pull the string and let Steve get pissed off. We're not even going to talk about the world of outlaws because, in my opinion, the greatest show on dirt was not with the outlaws this weekend. The greatest show on dirt was for 100000 bucks Saturday night at Mansfield Motorsports Park. Steve, this race was awesome, even if the field, unlike some people might bill us to believe, wasn't the greatest 410 drivers in the world. It, it was a good race. I'm not going to I'm not going to bag on them about that, but you know, it it was a classic. Uh th- there's no doubt about that. Anytime you get Tim Schaefer in the 49 and you get Aaron Reitzel in his 87 uh, going at it and I mean they were going at it. That was a very very entertaining race. But where I stopped short is to say that the Sprint Car World Championship, and how appropriate that we were talking just in this show earlier about world-class drivers. And I think that it is a crime. It is a crime. It's criminal that the Sprint Car World Championship did not include some of the world's best sprint car drivers. 
18 of them were in central Pennsylvania. 22 of them were in Texas. You cannot call it a sprint car world championship when you purposely exclude at least no more, no less than 40 of the best 410 sprint car drivers in the country slash world. So, if you're promoter Cody Summer, how do you combat that? How do you try and coordinate your schedule with the World of Outlaws and Central Pennsylvania to make that work? I can't solve the Central Pennsylvania issue because I don't, I don't have a source on that. I do, however, have a source that says the promoters of the Sprint Car World Championship had an opportunity to include the World of Outlaws, and they chose not to. Oh. So I leave it at their doorstep and say, you're served, sir. Really? Now, was it a scheduling thing? Was it a, there's no way that as a promoter I'm going to pay the World of Outlaws sanction fee on top of $100,000 to win? I tend to lean that way. I can't say that for a fact, but... I tend to lean that way because when we get into situations like this, it just more times than not comes down to the dollar signs and the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And and again, I I just I challenge them to say if you're going to call it the Sprint Car World Championship, you cannot have an opportunity to have the best sprint car drivers in the country and and just turn a blind eye. I mean, if if you want to have a great event like they did at Man, I mean, it's it, it's just it was a great event. But for me, Jacob, there's just that asterisk that look, I, you know, would I have loved to seen Tim Schaefer and and Aaron Reitzel go toe to toe with Darren Pittman and Donnie Schatz? Absolutely. Yeah. Could they have still beat them? Absolutely. It's not like bringing the World of Outlaws in is is an automatic slam dunk that an outlaw is going to come in there and win. Because, let's face it, how many guys have actually got notes on Dirt Mansfield? Well, I mean, is there many. a lot of guys that can claim that? No. It's not like it's a slam dunk for them to come in and win. No, no, not at all. Now, Steve, you gave props to the race itself. Can we talk for 30 seconds about how Aaron Reitzel had $100,000 in his pocket until, well, he didn't? <laughs> until he didn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that, um, you you want to talk about a guy that's on a roll this year. Uh, Aaron Reitzel has is, is got to be in that conversation. I mean, he's he's been very good for a very long time, but... Jacob, I, I, I only get a, a feeling on this. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not stat worthy on this claim, but it seems to me that we're seeing Aaron Reitzel perform very well, not in series or events that we would normally see him in and doing well. We're seeing him do well in some very high profile races. Mm-hmm. And, and not just on any particular series. I mean, when they show up, they're loaded for bear. And, and more times than not, they're either coming away with wins or, or very, you know, good finish, top five finishes in these high-profile events. 
Yeah, he's done a great job so far this year, Steve, and I've been very impressed with what that Boffman Reisel 87 team has done. So that's a little bit about the Sprint Car World Championship. Again, Tim Schaefer passing Aaron Reitzel back to win a hundred grand in the uh, Demian Rudzik 49X car. Steve, on the flip side of that coin, the Outlaws were in Texas, and we had three races. We had three different winners. And that gravel kid that we've been going, hey, hey, when are you going to win? Hey, when are you going to win? Hey, David, when are you going to win? He finally won. He did. And, boy, if you don't have three different stories for the three different winners, too. Because last week we said on this very show, David Gravel, when are you going to wake up, bud? When, it, when, it, when is the 2017 David Gravel going to come out and play? Well, they came out and played this weekend, and and I think that uh, for him, you know, they've got to they've they've got to win. They've got to keep it going. I mean, that's that's the thing. They got to have the consistency, and and I think in the last three weeks, they've had that consistency kind of coming back with top five finishes, and and now the win here this past weekend. Uh, so for those guys, the question is, can they keep it going? And, and pull themselves back into contention uh, for the title and, and in the same spot they were last season. I know last season was a really, really good year for them, but that's the expectation when you have the team and the resources that that team does. I mean, they're, they proved last year they're right there with a, with a KKR, with a, with a Tony Stewart racing. They're, they're there. They just haven't done it this year. No, they haven't. Um, now, Friday night, the first night of the Texas Outlaw Nationals at the original Outlaws track, Devil's Bowl Speedway, had a little bit of everything. It ended with Darren Pittman winning for the third time in four races. Are you ready to say this team is for real yet, Steve? Well, it's funny you ask me that question, Jacob, because I ask you that question. Last week when we talked about this, I it was either... You, Jacob, or Tom? That I think said, it was Tom, actually. It, yeah, it could have been Tom. I want to see them win on another racetrack. I want to see them, you know, not yes. just uh, Tom. I'll, I'll let you expand on, on your conversation from last week. But so so our question to you really should be, are you a believer now? Because I am. Yes. Uh, what I said was that I wanted to see him go somewhere else on a different weekend, back it up. You know, you have this sort of momentum thing that happens. You win one night, you win the next. But I want to see them go somewhere else on a different weekend and prove they can win again. And they did. And they did. And, you know, again, I think what this shows you is, you know, we're talking about multiple winners over the course of a few days here on the World of Outlaws circuit. The depth, again, of the competition, Jacob, is really astonishing this year. Yes, Donnie Schatz got his win, but, you know, again, there's there's multiple teams here that are giving him a fit. So I really believe that this is going to be a season for the ages on the outlaw circuit as we get into the summer. I don't see one team pulling away, even Schatzy. I think it's going to stay tight all summer long. But let's be clear here. When the big money was on the line, Steve, Saturday night, when the Ted Johnson Memorial Trophy and 20 large was on the table, who rose to the occasion when it mattered? Donnie Schatz. 
if you're one of the top five teams on the world of outlaws, you, you gotta be shaking your head at this point because I, I think that they are getting ready to go on a run guys. We haven't even hit summer yet when they're at their and, best and they are. And I know people used to joke about that with Tony Stewart when he drove in NASCAR, but the, the summer and, and you know, the summer heating up dry slick tracks, um, momentum for the 15 team. That's a real thing. That's not something that anybody on the world of outlaws tour jokes about because they're, they're all shaking in their britches at this yeah. point because of where he's at already. And we haven't yet hit summer. We haven't hit races that, you know, just seem to be lights yep. out 15 car lately. I want to see it. I want to go back to the last two, three years and do a side by side comparison of where he was at in those years, I know that maybe a year ago he hadn't won quite as much. He got off to a slower start or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm still holding out. There's too much competition now. And there are too many teams with the same amount of resources to go and have what they need to run with Donnie Shots. I'm not saying Shots he won't win the title again. And I'm not saying he won't win a fair amount of races. He's averaging one out of four, roughly, or whatever. I mean, so there you go. Over 90 races, that's, you know, 20 and some change. But he's not going to run. I don't believe he's going to run away the way he has the last few years. We'll wait and see who's right. But too much depth this year. And I still think there's a team or two that hasn't really hit its stride yet. But... I think that the the team I'm still going to look for as the season goes on, I'm still going to be looking at the Stenhouse Marshall team, that's that 17 car, uh, because I still believe Sheldon Haudenshield, as the season goes on, is just going to get better and better, and he's going to get his share of wins. In regards to teams that haven't won yet, <coughs> Shuhart. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's a team I think definitely is going to get a couple before the year's out. Steve, last comment before we break. Yeah, last comment. I don't want to mention it, but let's let's not forget about the big purple elephant in the room, <laughs> and that's Ford Performance that yet oh. hasn't been debuted. And well, that should also scare the competition a lot. I'm, it should because uh, I have good authority that those motors are being tested uh, rather profusely right now, and everything I've heard says, look out, boys. We'll see. Yes, we will. We're going to step aside. Our lightning round coming up right after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. The white flag waves next on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. 
If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens as we go into our lightning round, our final segment of the evening. It's often fast-paced. Often funny. I was going to say sometimes funny, but I thought about that and said to myself, no, it's usually kind of funny. And you never quite know what you're going to get. So leaving Talladega, I want to go around the table and get a fill-in-the-blank response to describe Friday's ARCA race and subsequent closest finish in history because they did it again. Point zero zero zero. Friday's ARCA finish at Talladega Super Speedway was blank. Tom. It was ARCA-licious is what it was. It, that was the absolute most incredible last five seconds of a race I think I've ever seen. I, I mean, good job, Zane Smith, but you got to give equal credit to Joe Graff Jr., who finished in second, driving with a broken left foot. Who would have thought that? Yeah, I mean, that takes, that's that's a real man to, to get in and do that, even though he's 17 or whatever he is, but um, that takes a man to do that. That's a real racer, somebody who wants it, and... You know, that that was Arcalicious, and I hope we see more of it because that was just unbelievable to watch. And, oh, by the way, for those who watched the race, wondered about Chase Purdy, he will be back for Toledo. He he bulged a disc in his back, but he uh, says he will be back in the car for their next race at Toledo. Good news because that was an ugly hit Mm. at the end of that race. Uh, Cisco, 
fill in the blank. The Arca race was redemption. A little bit, not completely, because, I mean, it still got Arca E there for a little bit. I mean, we had seven cautions, but it was redemption for what was the, huh, moment that we had at Daytona earlier in the year where it just seemed like nobody who was in the lead knew what they wanted to do with the car or were getting wrecked by people who were driving way too fast and stuff like that. So this this redeemed, you know, Arca on super speedways for me, this finish. So now we just need to... I'd love to see a race to where we only kept two cautions. That'd be awesome. Steve-O. Not because of the event that took place on Friday, but uh, after what we learned over the weekend, I'm going to say a bummer, uh, learning of the passing of, uh, of James Helton. So, Yeah, and we will talk more about that before the end of this lightning round, just FYI. Uh, and Steve kind of leads right into the next thought, uh, NASCAR purchasing ARCA. On Friday, Now, the new ownership structure will not take effect until the start of the 2020 season, but Tom, uh, no pun intended, of course, but are you buying or selling this move? <laughs> well, I'm not sure right now. I, 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 if, you, if you have to make me choose, I'm selling it, but I'm selling it only because there were no details released really about what NASCAR's intent is. We don't know what they're going to do with the series. Um, this felt to me like the Roush Fenway announcement last week with Matt Kenseth. Okay, here's the big news. This happened. We'll give you details later. I, I, so I, I have to sell it until I can be sure that NASCAR is going to keep it in such a manner as, because I believe that you need to keep the series exactly the way it is. I don't think it needs to be K&N Central. I don't think it needs to be a combo series with K&N. There's the Arca series. There's K&N, two different things, two different situations. I, I think you need to keep that series, my opinion, the way it is right now, um, and keep them separate and have a place to go from K&N up to the Arca series. But... You know, so I'm selling it for now. All right, Cisco. My response is, uh, <laughs> because that's how I was feeling yeah, afterwards, not just because of the image that's in the image dump, which uh, will be uh, definitely a thing once we go to video. But nonetheless, yeah, I just I'm kind of in the same boat of Tom. I even tweeted at Arca to see what the details were as far as the CRA Super Series that's affiliated with Arca. What's going to happen to them? Are they going to get folded in as well? Does that see what about Arca Midwest as well? That's the other thing. I just have so many questions. OK, very quickly. Arca does not own Arca Midwest. They only sanction it. Yes. Arca so that's Midwest not part of the deal. Yes, but we still don't Arca. know anything from that. Well, yeah, okay, but just saying, that didn't get lumped into the NASCAR. They didn't buy that. Correct, nor did they buy the two tracks. Right. Steve? Uh, my reaction, I think it's a stunt. I really do. I think that... A stunt? I, I think that Kevin Harvick called out anybody and their brother that's not doing anything to support grassroots racing or entry levels of racing to get you up to the levels of nascar and i think that this is a quick response to that with no details as tom mentioned and and i think that because there's no details it just feels very stunt ish to me that you had to rush to release this with little to no information 
I, see, I don't, I don't think, because I don't think this really does anything for grassroots racing at all. I, I just don't. I, I don't see where this, ARCA is not a grassroots series. ARCA is basically Xfinity light or truck series light. It's not, it, it's in terms of economics, it's right up there with running the truck series for cost or close. So it's, I don't think I it I mean maybe you're right but if that's if that's what it was NASCAR failed because that doesn't help the short track Saturday night racers a, a single bit in my in my opinion unless they do something drastic to make the series less expensive and I don't see what that is Jacob All right next question on a level of 1 to 10 how nervous are you if you're Joey Logano about your winning car from Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway passing inspection at the R&D Center this week. Cisco. Uh, well, Jacob, obviously you saw in that final caution, Joey got a little piece of damage. It just kind of goofed up the rear the rear spoiler just a little bit, so things might not obviously you know, line up necessarily with the, uh, with the uh, inspection when they do that later. Wink, wink. <laughs> you didn't give me an answer. Exactly. <laughs> Damn politician, Steve. Francis. Look, I'm trying to do the best impression of a crew chief that I can, where you say absolutely nothing. Francisco's Caramuza for president. Now that Cisco has said everything uh, and nothing all uh, in the same statement, yeah, can it was you great. Repeat the question. <laughs> Level of one to ten. If you're Joey Logano, how nervous are you about the car passing R and D inspection? Hey. Whatever. He's Jolo. He don't he don't give a rip. He's gonna go he's gonna go win at another track, even if they try and take this one away too. He'd be alright. You think? He tried to do that last year and it didn't work. Well, he didn't have T J Major spotting for him either, so Oh, he's, oh he's so you think T J's the difference. Uh, well Wait, I think he's, he's a he's gotta be considered a part of it, I think. I mean I think that uh it, his crew chief talked about it this morning. Um, you know, that, that is, that is made a difference. I, I could go into it all night long, but I won't. I think it does make a difference for sure. All right, Tom. Uh, zero. Okay. Not at all. I don't think he's worried at all. Number one, Steve pointed it out. He doesn't care. He's the driver. What is it? But, I mean, he does care because he wants to be in the playoffs. And even though we don't use the word cucumbered anymore uh you know that still basically could be but i I just i don't understand what all the flap is about i don't know i think we're just trying to make up a story that hasn't happened yet it wasn't like there was something after the race that was so drastically going on that that oh my gosh this car had or this car wasn't or whatever we're making up a story that doesn't exist all right, final question. Scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you that the trucks are finally back Friday at Dover after a month off? Tom? Uh, 46. It's <laughs> my new favorite number when I want to uh, say way over the top. Excited, yeah. I mean, shoot, I miss the trucks. They need. I, I would say they need to run more races, but I actually think the other two series need to run less so it's more balanced. All right, Cisco. What series? Trucks. Oh, you mean the super trucks from like 2000? You mean they're back? <laughs> yeah, they're back finally. <laughs> Going no, to Delva. I'm very excited to see them back on track. It's been a while, baby. A month, even. Yep. 
Did you give me a number, Cisco? A bajillion. Okay, that's at least an answer. Steve. <laughs> uh, is it the Craftsman Truck Series that's back this weekend? The Craftsman is... World Sprint Truck Series. It yeah, used, there, you used to was. there you go. Yeah, no, hey, I love it. I, I think that uh, we need more truck races. We need more short tracks. I love it. A freaking men to all of that. I love it. I'm excited for it. And uh, actually, as we get set to close this show, uh, Steve-O mentioned exactly um, what I wanted to bring up because uh, as we were getting ready to go for the race weekend, uh, there were uh, two that are coming home that unfortunately never made it all the way home from Talladega Super Speedway. James Hilton and his son, James Jr., on their way home from Talladega, unfortunately involved in an uh, automobile accident in uh, Georgia, and both passed tragically away. Uh, James Hilton, one of the longtime independents, the 1966 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, uh, then the Grand National Series, Rookie of the Year and three times a championship runner-up. James Hilton was one of the independents of this series and uh, really of anything he ran in. He was a longtime runner in the ARCA series as well. And uh, just one of those faces where if he was in the garage area, you knew it, and he was always going to give you a hug, give you a handshake, and I think one of those that everybody rooted for. So as we close this show uh, at... 83 and still with a lot of racing to do uh, we remember james hilton on this program and uh, dedicate tonight's show in memory of he and his son tweety uh, lost with as i said a whole lot more racing to give so uh, for tom baker steve oven cisco scaramuza joel sebastianelli i'm jacob sealman reminding you to keep it off the wall and uh, we'll see you at a racetrack soon there folks good night and godspeed to the Hilton family and uh, to both James and his son. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.